Hello, welcome to a podcast for The Lancet Neurology to accompany our March issue. Uh, I'm talking today with Tobias Defus, who is going to tell us a little bit about his new rapid review on multiple sclerosis. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tobias. If we could start off by talking about your rapid review. Uh, you summarised the advances in oral immunomodulating therapies that happen in relapsing multiple sclerosis. Uh, tell us a little bit about what some of the recent developments in this are. So, so during recent years, the spectrum of, of oral disease-modifying therapies has really considerably expanded. Um, we have currently five different oral compounds that are approved for relapsing remitting MS, and, and these cover four different modes of action. They also differ in their treatment regimen. Three of these treatments need a continuous administration, and, and one is a pulse therapy. The pulse therapy is a purine nucleosid analogot clatribine, um, it leads to a temporary reduction of lymphocytes and is taken in two cycles, separated by one year. And in these two cycles are then followed by a treatment-free period, which may last several years until the new disease activity emerges. So it's a, it's a pulse treatment, uh, very similar to uh, alemtuzumab treatment. Um, the three continuous oral treatments include the S1P receptor modulators Fingolimod and Ciponimod which block the egress of lymphocytes from secondary lymphoid organs. And secondly, teriflunomide, which reduces the proliferation of activated lymphocytes by inhibiting the pyrimidine biosynthesis. And thirdly, dimethylfumarate, which has a quite pleiotropic mode of action. It reduces certain lymphocyte populations uh, and also changes cytokine profile and activation markers. Um, these three continuous treatments, fingolimod, teriflunomide, and Dimethylfumarate have been approved for relapsing MS, whereas Ciponimod was recently approved for active secondary progressive MS in Europe. And in contrast, in US, it has been approved for the whole spectrum of relapsing MS forms. All these oral compounds were tested in really extensive randomized controlled clinical trials. Uh, they showed significant effects on, on relapse rates, disability progression, and several MRI readouts like reduction of new lesions, reduction of contrast-enhancing lesions, and reduced brain atrophy. Also, the safety and tolerability profile of these drugs is, is well established in the clinical trials, but also now in the post-marketing setting. So there's really a lot going on in, in mass clinical research. Right, absolutely. It sounds like it. And it sounds like um, these new advances will work. But tell us a little bit about the comparative efficacy of these uh, oral immunomodulators. Unfortunately, these oral immunomodulators were not really tested in head-to-head trials in the randomized clinical trial setting. So the phase three clinical trial programs often included only placebo control arms and only fingolimod and dimethylfumarate had included an interferon or clatorimide acetate arm for comparison. And it is rather difficult to compare the efficacy of drugs across different trials because the patient populations are different in the different trials, uh, as well as the definition of certain endpoints uh, that differs between these trials. So the comparative efficacy is largely based on registry data that have been gathered in the post-approval phase. And, and these registry data have advantages, and of course, they also have diff, diff, disadvantages uh, compared to the controlled clinical trial setting. And advantages that registry data include patients that were excluded from clinical trials, for example, older patients, patients with certain comorbidities and certain pretreatments. Uh, a clear disadvantage is that patients are not randomized to a treatment in clinical practice. So this means there's always a reason why patient X goes on treatment Y in clinical practice. 
And this may lead to a bias like more benign patients are put on one treatment, whereas patients with a higher disease activity are treated with another treatment. It is therefore necessary to correct for these confounding factors with statistical methods when you use these registry data. However, also with this correction, the data does not reach the rigor of a randomized clinical trial. Um, with these considerations in mind, there are different national and international registries that compare the efficacy of the three oral immunomodulators, fingolimod, dimethylfumarate, and teriflunomide. And in summary, it turns out that fingolimod and dimethylfumarate have similar efficacy on the inflammatory disease activity, so meaning relapse rate reductions, whereas teriflunomide seems to have a, a little weaker effect on relapse rates. There was no clear difference regarding reduction in visibility progression between these three compounds. The discontinuation rates were a little bit higher with dimethylfumarate compared to the other two drugs, possibly due to its uh, GI issues. So how do these new compounds fit into the treatment landscape as it is of multiple sclerosis? So teriflunomide, uh, dimethylfumarate and fingolimod, they are often used as first-line drugs especially in Switzerland and U.S. Fingolimod is used as a first-line drug. In, in the rest of Europe, it's a second-line drug. Clatribine, uh, that is this pulse treatment, is registered as second-line in treatment indicated in more active forms of the disease that do not adequately respond to the first-line therapies. Of course, these oral drugs are not alone. We have also parental drugs, and, and they are high-efficacy monoclonal antibodies, and, and these are mainly used in the second-line treatment. So the oral compounds are rather in a, in a first-line scheme and, and the high-efficacy monoclonal antibodies are more in the, in the second-line treatment. Besides these medical aspects, uh, the use of the MS treatments is also largely influenced by the healthcare system in which drugs are reimbursed for which patients. So especially in lower-income countries, the use of the drugs is rather dictated by financial issues uh, than really clinical trial data or, or scientific uh, data. So several new compounds on top of these are actually in the late stages of clinical development. Tell us a little bit about these new compounds. So the, the drugs closest to registration are the S1P receptor modulators, ponizimod and ozanimod. Compared to fingolimod, these two drugs have a more specific receptor profile. Uh, ozanimod targets two out of five receptors, so the S1P receptor one and five, and ponizimod only targets one out of the five receptors, the, the receptor number one. And, and this more specific targeting profile might improve their, uh, also their safety profile. Otsanimod showed a superior efficacy in reducing relapses in two phase three trials compared to an interferon treatment. And also Ponisimod was recently tested in a phase three trial and was superior to a teriflunomide comparator treatment and also in reducing relapses. However, both drugs did not show superiority with regard to disability progression in these trials compared to their respective comparators. And the reason for this might be that the patient population was quite benign in these uh, phase three trials. Another new development is deroxymale fumarate. This is a derivative of dimethylfumarate. And, and this drug was developed with the idea to improve the gastrointestinal tolerability. So two phase three trials have been performed, um, an open label trial and a randomized head-to-head -head double blind trial comparing deoxymale fumarate with the original dimethylfumarate. And both trials indeed showed that the gastrointestinal tolerability is improved, albeit not completely abolished with deoxymale fumarate. 
And this improved tolerability also led to a reduced discontinuation rate with deroximethyl rate in, within these trials. And the third field development is the blockade of tyrosine kinases that is introduced as a new mode of action, the treatment of MS. Um, tyrosine kinases are essential signaling molecules for the activation of immune cells. And so far, we have data of the results of a phase two trial with avoprotinib in relapsing MS that showed a positive primary endpoint with a reduction of uh, GAD-enhancing lesions compared to placebo. Um, based on these positive results, uh, two phase three trials have been initiated with avoprotinib, and it can probably be expected that other kinase inhibitors will, will follow that are currently in, in earlier stages of development uh, in, in different companies. So what are some of the next steps required in the field to take all of these treatments and, research, and some of this research forwards? So, I mean, during the last decade, we have really seen a tremendous breakthrough in anti-inflammatory therapies of MS. Uh, the oral drugs together with parental drugs like the natalizumab, alemtuzumab, and oculizumab have really improved the prognosis of our patients significantly. We are now starting to get long-term data of these disease-modifying treatments that really show that secondary progression can be delayed with these treatments. However, there's still a lot to do. Uh, we still don't know which is the, the right treatment approach in the individual patient. So we also lack biomarkers that allow to predict the individual disease course. Therefore, it is unclear if a patient should be initiated on a high-efficacy treatment early on or if an escalating treatment approach should be chosen. It is also not clear if combining treatments with different modes of actions could further improve the outcome. And finally, we need to understand better the mechanisms that lead to diffuse inflammation that is seen outside areas of focal inflammation in MS brains. So on one side, you have this focal inflammation. This is mainly driven by um, the adaptive immune response, so T cells and B cells. Um, this more diffuse inflammation might be caused by resident microglia and astrocytes, and, and they might be additional causes for disease progression. And especially in these later progressive stages of MS, the anti-inflammatory compounds that I just uh, uh, alluded on directed against the adaptive immune response lose a lot of their therapeutic potential. So the probably biggest challenge in the future will be the development of drugs that really interfere with the intrathecal innate inflammation and the development of neuroprotective and, and remyelinating compounds that complement our current anti-inflammatory drugs. Nonetheless, I think we achieved really a lot, and, and I'm really optimistic that there's more to come. Yeah, very interesting times in MS research, it sounds like, and um, so much that has been done and hopefully will be done for patients suffering from MS. And you can read Tobias's new rapid review online now at thelancet.com and in the latest issue of The Lancet Neurology. Uh, Dr. Durfless, thank you so much for your time today. Mm -hmm.